This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. I really appreciate the fact that I got to interact with people from various backgrounds when I was at TCU. Um, and that, I've taken that like appreciation into this role. And I think I actually enjoy and love people better because of my time at TCU. That is the voice of David Spencer, who has become one of the top educators across the country. David will talk about his time at TCU, as well as his journey across the country since graduation, and how he is currently founding a school in Indianapolis. We're so excited today to be joined by David Spencer. He's a class of 2008, my favorite class year graduate. He uh, He's joined us all the way from Indianapolis, Indiana. So, David, how are you tonight? I am doing well. I'm really doing well. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And before we get into why you're in Indianapolis, well, <laughs> let's get into kind of why, uh, you know, we're talking to you. You're a TCU alum, as we mentioned. And, and what brought you to TCU as a, as a freshman all those years ago? Yeah, I actually had a cousin who applied to TCU a year before I went there. Um, he got in and he decided to go to a different school. But while I'm um, well, a lot about TCU. He talked about all the pros to TCU, what amazing campuses um, had, and it just started to pique my interest when it came to applying to colleges. I applied having not even visited TCU before. Um, after I got in, I went, visited, and just really fell in love with the campus. And the more I heard about what was going on, I was like, this is the place I wanted to be. Hmm. And so once you got involved in TCU and you knew this is the place you wanted to be, what were some of the things that you got involved with on campus? Um, so I was I did frog camp, so I got to be part of the frog camp leadership team, and that was amazing. Um, I also had the opportunity to do bucks with you. Mm-hmm. So I got to do Brothers Under Christ. Uh, I was involved that for my sophomore through junior year, and I also had the opportunity to do Young Life, and that's actually what I would say was the like bridge to education for me. But yes, I was um, in Young Life from my freshman year to senior year, and I was working at Morningside Middle School, not too far away from campus. Oh. So you were keeping quite busy. How are you managing to find time between that and your uh, academics? <laughs> I don't. You know what? I think somehow when you're like 18 years old, you just make it all happen. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure. Uh, some sort of like special college adrenaline. Um, but yeah, there was somehow I figured out how to make it how to make it all work. But I said the extracurricular activities that really kept me like going and motivated, which also helped um, like impact my academics. Mm-hmm. And you got your degree in broadcast journalism and political science. So what was kind of your goal when you first, when you graduated from TCU? What was kind of the, the vision you had set out for your life? Well, I would, I would say actually before, I'm probably around my sophomore year, um, I knew for sure, like, quote, unquote, I wanted to go to law school. And so I wanted to make sure that I lined, I set up my like, major to be one that I knew was going to help and get me there. So that's why I chose political science, um, and then I knew I wanted to have journalism in some form or fashion, and chose broadcast journalism after taking a uh, course, and that just, it just like, piqued my interest after I took a broadcast journalism course. But like the journalism piece I'd always heard was going to be really beneficial when it, come to going, when it came to going to law school and being able to write well. So yeah, my goal was law school. Things shifted, changed to where like, over 10 years later, it looks very different. Uh, but yeah, law school was the goal. <laughs> And I believe it, you were, I read an article, and you were student teaching in Houston after graduation. Is that correct? I did. So right after um, I graduated, well, I guess my senior year of college, I decided I wanted to do Teach for America. Um, so I 
did this Teach for America in Houston as part of their 08 core. So that Fonja Middle School um, on the southwest side of Houston. So I was there for two years to fulfill my teaching um, requirements. I taught eighth grade math during my time there. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're teaching while you're pursuing uh, while you're thinking about law school, or what's kind of how how hard were you going at law school at this point? Yeah, so I still I would say my first year teaching, I was certain, Rob, I was a hundred and certain I was going to teach for my two years. And I was going to go to law school. After my first year, I still felt that way. Mm-hmm. And then my second year, um, I just, it was an amazing. I think anyone that's taught will tell you the first year is challenging. The second year, you feel like you know a little bit more about what you're talking about. <laughs> and after my second year, I was, I just fell in love with education. Uh, my kids had great academic results. I was working on a phenomenal team. I saw the impact they were able to have um, just in the lives of our students. I thought what happened when people were united around a mission, what that could do um, when it came to just progressing students academically. And it was also just great spending time with our students. Our students were, were and my students here are just truly phenomenal. And coming to work every day, and at that time, like, going to work every day around that type of like energy and excitement was just really, really like, exhilarating. And at that point, following my second year of teaching, I knew that like law school wasn't for me, but education was where I, was, I wanted to be long term. Mm-hmm. And what were some of the lessons? I, I believe I, I read that you were, while you were preparing for law, you noticed kind of a trend in the education uh, profiles of some of the um, adolescents that would show up in the courtroom. Yeah. So during my um, senior year at TCU, I actually had the opportunity to intern at in the courthouse. And so while I was there, I was working with a phenomenal judge who allowed me to just be in the court as often as I wanted to. And I saw day after day, individuals who were coming um, to be sentenced looked like me. So they were black, um, usually male, and they were leaving having doesn't just ginormous sentence that they were having to like go back to. And so I just realized like, if this is like the tail end of all of this, if this is where people who look like me are ending up, usually due to race, socioeconomic status, like I cannot, I could not just find myself going into a field that isn't necessarily being as proactive as I thought that I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, at the same time I got sharing earlier, I was doing Young Life, I had the opportunity to be in school during the day, and then I had the opportunity to then go to the courthouse. I saw both sides of this, and I just knew that a, a potential place where we could start to um, be proactive is in the classroom. And so you made the decision you wanted to be involved in education, and you chose Andrews University for your first of two postgraduate degrees. How did you decide yeah. to go all the way to Andrews University, which is in Michigan? <laughs> yeah, so I think there's, there's yeah, there's, a, there's clearly a lot going on in my head. Um, I, while every, every time I was like taught, I've always been involved in ministry in some form or fashion. And so I knew that like, education is where I wanted to be long-term. Anytime anyone asked me following my second year teaching, I would always say that. Um, but I also felt this call to go to seminary um, to fulfill another like, component of my passion, which is just sharing the gospel, I'm in ministry. So I went to Andrews. I got my master's there in youth and young adult ministry. But even while there, I knew that this was a degree that I imagined using in a classroom or in a school setting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Andrews University, it was... It was far. It was cold. Um, <laughs> Michigan is a great place to be, though. Uh, but yeah, so it, was, it was an opportunity for me to fulfill it's another passion that I had. 
And so upon Andrews University after graduation, um, it looks, did you start your career right after that? Or what was kind of the path after yeah. you get all the way up to Michigan? <laughs> yeah, so I uh, finished in Michigan, finished my degree there. And I had, I just, I was blessed with the opportunity to work with a phenomenal principal my first two years when I was in Houston. She moved to another um, network of schools called Yes Prep. Uh, I shared with her I was looking for um, another job in education. She said, David, just come be a part of my team. So I had the opportunity to go and work with her um, at Yes Prep. Again, so I had to go back to Houston. And um, that was just, that was just a very formative opportunity for me. I felt like I was a part of a team and a part of a school that had really high standards for students, was getting great academic results, and also had a really clear vision. So I think naturally when you're part of a team like that, it rubs off. Um, and it makes you want to continually be a part of something like that. So I went back to Houston, got to be a part of um, Yes Prep before um, my wife and I got engaged and ended up moving moving to Chicago. <laughs> so you go from Fort Worth to Houston to it's, Michigan it's back now. to Houston <laughs> over to Chicago, and then you get another graduate <laughs> degree. I mean, just just talk about what happened once you get to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I did, I went to Chicago with my wife. My wife I was getting her um, MBA at the University of Chicago. Um, so moved there and I just, again, education is, I knew that's what I wanted to continue to be a part of. Um, once I got there, I was able to connect with a colleague of mine who actually connected to Teach for America. We met through Teach for America a few years earlier. She was a part of it's a great organization called By the Hand Club for Kids. Um, they're an organization that works with um, students in four different sites across um, Chicago. And it's, the goal is like ministry, sharing the gospel with students, but also working with them academically. And those two, I think those are, that's, it was a place where my two passions were, um, just came together, came together perfectly. So I had the opportunity to be um, their senior director of learning there for just a couple of years um, as they were just rolling out new technology to size, um, new educational initiatives, um, just had a desire for just continued academic growth. Um, so that was, Again, I've had I have been blessed to work just continually work in phenomenal places, and by the end, was another one of those places. Um, we just saw people day in and day out um, doing whatever to whatever it takes to make sure that our students are academically successful. But there, it also had an additional component, making sure our students are also like spiritually fed as well. Mm -hmm. And so, what mm -hmm. made you decide to go from by the hand club for kids to becoming the assistant principal at such a relatively young stage in your career? Um, at, at Moving Everest Charter School. Yeah, so again, I think my faith is very huge to me, and I think that all of things things work out the way the Lord wants them to work out, right? Um, so while I was working at By the Hand, um, they were closely associated with a um, charter school that was opening called Moving Everest Charter School. That school was looking to, um, they're, they're bringing on a leadership team. I had the opportunity to meet with their executive director. Um, we got to talk. I, he shared with me his vision for the school, very much aligned with where I saw myself long term, um, and the type of school environment that I wanted to be a part of. And he hired a principal that I also found equally as as um, like phenomenal and exceptional. And so I had the opportunity just to meet with her to talk about like what what roles what roles they had open for the school. Um, at the time, she they had a um, director of blended learning position open. I had done a lot of blended learning when I was um, working for by the hand club. So it was, just a, it was a natural fit. And so I went into the role originally as the director of blended learning. Um, and then during my second year there moved into um, their assistant principal position. So, yeah, so we started kindergarten, first grade around the West side. <clears throat> um, and then we just had like a slow growth 
from there, kindergarten second right now. They're, I believe, actually just started with their um, fifth grade class this year. And for those maybe not familiar with some different education setups, what is blended learning? Yeah, so blended learning is just mixing technology into the classroom. Um, so it looked like there were, our students were on some sort of like device. So they were our students had Chromebooks. They were on like a reading program for a component of the day. Those those programs then gave um, like data to teachers that they were able to use to help inform instruction. So teachers were getting a like blend of learning, a mix of learning, both face to face, but also on technology. And then kids would also take um, that learning home, where they were able to access all those things online at home, continue like reading, whether it's on the weekend, after school, holidays, etc. Okay. And so then you're, you're doing that, and in June of 17, you get involved with KIPP Indianapolis, and you found a, and you, you're a founder of a school. How does this happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, honestly, Rob, I say that, like I shared, that second year of teaching was really a, um, this thing has transformed. It's interesting. I'm actually sitting in my office right now, and on my desk, I have a picture of just some students I took to camp that second year teaching just because I think that year just changed my life forever. Um, but I left that second year and I just, I knew I wanted to be in education. Um, and I started to get this urge that I was going to like, lead a school. I, I would be great to like, open a school someday. But I think it's, it's one of those things that you think about, um, but never actually imagined happening, right? Like, I'm going to continue to move towards this. It'd be a great thing if it does happen. Um, and then this, this amazing opportunity came up. So I, my wife and I decided that we were going to be, we were going to leave Chicago. At this point, we'd had um, our first child and our second would be um, coming soon. And we wanted to move closer to the family. And so my wife's family is in Indianapolis, sorry, is in Cincinnati. We started to look at just different areas around um, the, the Cincinnati area. We came, um, we visited Indianapolis, got to meet just with the KIPP team here. And I came, met the team, heard about their vision for not only like academic excellence in the city, but also this intentional partnership with um, this various community organizations. And that's just something that's always been really important to me is that if we're coming in and we're, whether we're like working out of school or we're opening school, they're working closely with community partners that are already there and who have been there for a while. And that was the exact and is the exact vision that um, Kip Indy has. It came, saw all of that in action, wanted to be a part of it. They shared with their vision around opening a high school. Um, I actually, I did elementary, I had done uh, middle school, and I had many students who went on to high school and who continued to stay in touch, <clears throat> but never had I led in a high school before. Um, then I went through the process with them, um, went through the application process, got to meet um, their leadership team, not only for Indy, but also their broader um, like KIPP national team, and got the job of opening to open their, their high school, which is it was just a blessing of an opportunity and something I'll forever be grateful. They trust me with this opportunity. Um, and it's just, it's, it's allowed for me to have one of these greatest experiences of my life. And so for two years, you're just basically preparing a school to open because it didn't open until this most recent, until this fall, correct? Yeah. Um, we just opened beginning of August. So I did, I mean, it, it was an amazing two years. I had the opportunity to go and, visit excellent schools around the nation. Actually, not even the nation. I got to visit excellent schools around the world. I had the opportunity to go to South Africa and see some um, schools there. And I had the opportunity to go to St. Louis and see some great schools there. So it's just, there's, some, there's so many great things going on um, in education in this world. I thought like you got to see so much of it, mm-hmm. um, especially schools that are doing great things when it came to educating our black and brown um, kids. So it's, yeah, it, was a, it was a great two years, I think, really set me up with the knowledge necessary to open um, a school that I believe is going to be truly um, effective. Yeah, truly effective. 
And so what is kind of the difference in the KIPP, um, the KIPP organization mission and what separates, you know, uh, the KIPP school from any other school maybe people are typically familiar with? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that um, like KIPP is like a charter school network. So we're it's a, like publicly funded independent school that like receives a charter that allows them to operate. So I think like, that's the biggest thing that like distinguishes KIPP from our, from our public schools, our public school partners. Um, but I think it's a great thing that we have here in Indianapolis is that we're actually still a part of our district, so still a part of IPS. So we still work very closely together. I think there are like some areas where like charter schools and public schools can be. There can be some sort of like contention that's occurring there. Um, and here we have the unique opportunity that we work closely with our district. We appreciate our district. We um, like lean on our district often. They come and visit our school, and it's 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 a it's a great partnership that we have here. And you've been involved in both um, being a part of established schools, public schools, uh, private schools, charter schools. What would you say has been the <laughs> biggest difference in maybe the system where you were just becoming a teacher that those first two years and actually, you know, it's already established and now you're opening a school from scratch? Yeah, I um so the school that I worked at for the first two years, that was a, um, that was a public school mm-hmm. and it was, it was a great school. We had an amazing leader. We had great teachers who were on board who loved, who loved students, loved the work. Um, and I feel like I'm a part of the same thing now going into it. So I honestly, I wouldn't say there was much, the biggest difference is that we're starting from scratch. Um, I think you go into the established school and there, there's protocol around everything already because it's been there for 30 plus years. People have thought through all of these things. And as a new school that we're probably, we're actually, seven, this is our seventh week operating. There are things that we're still learning. There are situations that come up and like, ah, I did not plan for that. Um, so I think that that's probably the biggest thing is that there are, there are more, oh, goodness, didn't think about that um, moments. And I, I know there'll be fewer next year, fewer year three, fewer year four. But that's been like our biggest thing right now. There's some situations that um, we didn't necessarily think were going to happen um, coming in. So without giving away too much detail, can you share with us yeah. maybe some lesson, maybe some of those things that, you know, pe- people just don't think that you need to really plan for that have come up in the first seven weeks? Yeah, I mean, I have no problem sharing at all. I think that we have been like, blessed with a large English language learner population. Um, let, me say, let, me say, let me not say large, more than we um, anticipated we were going to have. Mm-hmm. And so like, with that, we just weren't 100% prepared to like support our English language learners as well um and so but now it's great because our students came in we identified what do we need to do in order to support them and now we're continuing just to grow as a school and grow as a district and making that making that happen um so we're in a great place now with it um but that's just again the thinking demographics are constantly changing and so we have to be prepared for that and what would you say is your day-to-day role are you principal are you like the manager what is the what is your as founder what do you do once school is actually now in session (laughs) Yeah, so I'm the principal at our school here, um, and oof, I'm just working a lot. Um, <laughs> it's just making sure that our our, um, our school is operating at maximum, our, operating on all cylinders. Um, <laughs> we want to make sure every classroom is excellent. We want to make sure that every student has a clear idea of like where they're going academically, what they need to do in order to get there. The great thing with kids is that we're also working. Um, we just have a huge just team supporting us with our our region. And so we have people who are constantly working when it comes to enrollment. People are constantly work, constantly working when it comes to operations. So there are all of these pieces that are constantly moving. But we have a team that's like supporting me in this process. 
So how involved are you with like having to recruit new students and really get the word out about what you guys are doing there? Yeah, so I I like to be um, very involved. We do have someone on our team right now who like that's that's her that's one of her um, jobs that she's just very dedicated to going to different school fairs to getting our name out there. She does an excellent job. And so we just we work closely together. We collaborate closely in order to make sure that um, yeah that our names out there. We're getting kids in because the reality is that we're founding. So all we have are ninth grade students right now. So every year we will be adding a grade, um, which is a huge opportunity. It's going to be great. But we also have to be constantly thinking about what's that move there to make next and what to make sure that our seats are filled um, come next year. Mm-hmm. And so what would you say the future of KIPP looks like? <laughs> uh, I, right now we have... 125 students, 125 ninth graders. Mm-hmm. So I think of like the future of our high school is that 125 12th graders graduate um, in four years that are and they're going to the college of their mm-hmm. dreams. Um, they have a future, the future they desired, they desired to have. We have actually given them an education that opens up those doors. Mm-hmm. And so, how often do you think back to, to bringing this back to TCU? Some of the lessons yeah. maybe you learned during your time at TCU that kind of made you. I mean, I don't know if there's a class at TCU that says here's how to open a school, but what are some lessons maybe you could take away from your time here as a horn frog that have helped you along the way? Gosh, I would actually say the biggest thing I, I really appreciate the fact that I got to interact with people from various backgrounds when I was at TCU. Um, and that I've taken that like appreciation into this role. And I think I actually, enjoy and love people better because of my time at TCU. Um, I think you go into college having only interacted with people from your, that many times look like you, that come from similar backgrounds than you, that have similar stories to you. And then you go into a college setting where it's very different and you're forced to like interact, build relationships, build friendships across lines of difference. And now coming into this role, you're constantly having to work with, whether it's teachers that you guys are just drastically different or families, whatever it is, like I've become just a better human being and a better lover of people because of just the opportunities I had at TCU. Hmm. And so to wrap it up, what would you say is your favorite memory of your time at TCU? Oh, man. There are a lot. Um, <laughs> that is a great question, Rob. Let me... Can I have five seconds? You can. Up? You can name more than one if you want. If there's a couple that okay. are tied at the top. <laughs> so I, I was blessed to have like family that went to TCU. So my cousin went to TCU. My sister also went to TCU, and I enjoyed our like family weekends. Um, and our family came up, and because we were so entrenched in like TCU, and this was like, this was now a part of our family. It was just great to like bring my family there. So I think every family weekend was was fun. I think naturally probably everyone says this, but football games were also fun getting time just to hang out with friends, have a good time and celebrate a victory. Um, and like, honestly, like we were in box together and that was, that would just forever be just a, a group that I appreciate and a group that I just credit so much of where I am like spiritually with. I think just being with like a group of like Christian guys for i was in it for three years or in for three years that really set me on like a different path spiritually as i got older so anything involving bucks was was great oh that is great we're so thankful for the for the impact you made during your time here your your footprint is felt all over here and and now it's being felt all over the midwest (laughs) i really appreciate it i really do really do 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us your journeys today. And we look forward uh, to tra- keeping track of your progress, seeing how Kip does. And, sure. and hopefully you guys have the full uh, the full 500 kids here in four years across all four grades. I love it. Thank you to KTCU and co-manager Jeff Craig for their editing of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU Alumni are changing the world.